Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dancing Eyes podcast, episode 16. My name is Frankie Caputo, and this is a podcast where I talk to people about nystagmus. Before we begin this episode, I would like to announce that this episode of the Dancing Eyes podcast has been sponsored by the American Nystagmus Network. They are a great resource to anyone whose lives have been affected by nystagmus, and I highly recommend checking out their website. A link is provided in the podcast description. For this episode of the podcast, I had my friend Nate on. Nate is a father who was born with congenital nystagmus, so we're going to talk a lot about fatherhood and how nystagmus affects that, as well as a bunch of other things. If you're watching this episode on YouTube and you haven't done so already, please hit that like and subscribe button. I really appreciate it. And also leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Lastly, new episodes will be out on the first and third Monday of every month, so make sure to keep your eyes out for those. With all that being said, I hope everyone listening enjoys and gets something from this episode, and let's get on to the show. What's up, Nate? Can I call you Nate? Yeah. What's up, man? How are you? Good. Good. Well, I'm happy to have you here. I spoke to you. We've been talking for a minute now, for probably over a month, back and forth. We started on email. Yeah. So yeah, you you reached out to me, and we've chatted back and forth. And we had we had a long phone call at one point a couple weeks ago. I think we were yeah. talking for for maybe at least an hour. So yes, yeah, something like that. So we're here now. We finally made it face to face. Yeah. And then I kind of got like a little stick, not not anything serious, but I think what i told you was it's my voice was like half gone and it sounded like i smoked like three packs of cigarettes and i was like i can't go on a podcast and like it just it sounded really rough (laughs) i appreciate you not coming on to the podcast (laughs) (laughs) it would have been i was coughing and like it it would have been rough so yeah yeah, this it took is... a couple tries, but we finally made it. So. Yeah, you sound you sound good now. I don't think that we're gonna have to worry Thank about the you. coughs. I did uh, not smoke a lot of cigarettes today, so. Ah, perfect, perfect. Actually, or ever, so. <laughs> you don't smoke? No. Okay. What about uh, what about cigars? You smoke any cigars? No. Are My you... voice gets all weird without doing anything. I'm not gonna. <laughs> right. I'm not yeah. gonna smoke. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that extra element in there. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, so. I thought that this would be a particularly interesting episode because you were the first guest that I have had who is a father and has nystagmus. And your, your yeah. kids don't have nystagmus, right? Is it just you? No, just me. Yeah, so, okay, I'm excited for this because this is interesting to me because I plan on being a father who has nystagmus, not anytime soon, but one day I will be a father and I assume that I will still have nystagmus when I am the father, unless something happens. So, uh, we definitely have to talk about that. I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this because I think that as somebody who has nystagmus, uh, like personal relationships, finding, finding a girlfriend or, you know, finding a significant other, I feel like that nystagmus adds extra difficulties to this. And I used to, you know, like I've mentioned before in other episodes, I've been very insecure about it, and I'm getting a little bit better now. But this used to be a big insecurity of mine. Would do you say that your nystagmus has played any role in your in your life like that? Uh, in terms of relationships, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's interesting. My my wife and I are actually we were dating since I was 17, so. I didn't really have like a lot of girlfriends or anything like uh, basically we just started dating uh, when I was in high school. And then a couple years after I graduated, we got married 
Um, and then a couple years after that, we had our first kid. So it <laughs> that was a while ago. But I think that just says a lot about her in terms of uh, it just sort of wasn't a thing in our relationship. Uh, and it just kind of kept going. So, I mean, she's a very understanding person, um, obviously. <laughs> so we went through a lot, like through like young adulthood, uh, through all kinds of things and we dated for five years before we got married. So, so I guess you didn't I mean, really have, you didn't have so, so many trials and errors or just other relationships. I mean, this was since you were 17. So yeah, that's pretty much forever at this yeah. point. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's, I mean, like I said, I think that says a lot about her. Um, and just like practically I don't drive. Um, so that was around the time where like the driving thing was probably most was kind of like a focus in my life where it was like the most apparent where it's like at, when I was 17, most of my friends who were going to drive uh, were driving at that point. So it was like just over the, uh, the hill of where it was obvious to everyone else. It's like, well, I don't drive. Um, so, I mean, there was kind of that whole thing. So for me, I, I have a little insecurity here that I feel like it's going to be difficult for me. I mean, I'm, I'm working on it, but in terms of relationships, right? So I don't drive either, and I I struggle with the idea that I'm going to be in a relationship with somebody and she's going to kind of be the driver, like she's going to be driving me places. Have you ever dealt with that? Uh, Literally every single day. <laughs> That's that's probably now it's not it's not a thing between me and her it's and maybe maybe this is what you're saying also it's a thing between like maybe like the perception of other people because it's it's kind of like well the thing is like the guy is typically the driver of like in a relationship or whatever it's mm -hmm. like well if you go on a date well the guy has the car uh does the driving um that's just sort of like the uh our society's like male role uh you know what i mean yeah and that's that's probably why it just becomes it just feels i guess some of the feelings i i deal with uh other than just like the frustration of having to ask ask somebody uh to drive me somewhere which is incredibly annoying uh it's more just maybe feeling like inadequate or just like yeah, like, hey, I, it would be really nice to be able to take somebody somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never I've never done that. Uh, yeah, so. man, that's like the story of my life. Like, I, you know, you, you go out on a date, like, I want to take the girl on a date. Like, I don't want her to to drive me, you know? Like, I feel like yeah. I... It's, it's, it's not even like, like what you said. It wouldn't be a me and her thing, because if the girl's going to be in a relationship with me, like, she's she's going to be cool with it either way, or else she wouldn't be in the relationship. It's more of right. like my perception on society and societal perceptions on the man and the woman in a relationship. And, uh, so yeah, that's, yeah, man, I, I can relate to you on, on the driving too. So how do you, uh, how do you get around? To, like, how do you go to work? Let's say I work like a mile like 1.2 miles from my house. So I typically ride bike um, or I ride an electric skateboard 
Um, I have a thing called a one wheel. I don't know if you've ever seen those. So that's pretty easy. Um, And also my wife works a mile from our house. So if it's raining or it's too cold or snowing, whatever, um, it's not a big deal. It adds an extra five minutes in the morning where she can just drop me off. Mm-hmm. So the radius of uh, like daily, whatever, like the, the most frequent places that we go are really close. So that just makes it a lot easier where it's like, okay, if you're only going 10, 10, 15 minute radius to things, then it's not as big of a deal. Um, where it becomes an issue is like if I need to go someplace like 30 minutes away or probably the biggest challenge, especially now that we have, now that we have kids, uh, is where there's not anything for her to do where it's like too far away, um, that she can't go back to our house. So it's like, which she's just supposed to sit in the parking lot and like, wait for me. Uh, but you can't really do that if you have two little kids. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest like logistical thing to navigate. Um, so that, that can be kind of hard to deal with sometimes. Um, now I have family that helps out with rides, so things work out. Ideally they could be better, but, um, I've never found myself to be like stranded. So how important when you say it is to live in a place where things are close to home or things are close together for someone with nystagmus, um, or really like anything that's limiting their transportation, I'd say that's, that's very important, but also that's tough because I I don't live in, in a city. Um, and it has been, we've had conversations off and on where we've tossed around, like if we would live, uh, like the nearest city to me is Philadelphia, which is like 45 minutes away. So if we move to Philadelphia, um, then I could pretty much get anywhere all the time. Um, and we probably wouldn't even need a car. Uh, we might still have one, but even our day to day would not really require driving between using public transportation, anything like that. But like my personality is just not to live in the city. So it's kind of like, do you move to the city for the the practical purpose of being able to to get around easily, but then sacrifice like some of my mental well-being where it's like, I really just don't want to live in a major city. Uh, that's a conflict, family. man. Yeah, that's a conflict yeah. right there. So it's you got to kind of find like happy medium. So like for me, it's I'm fortunate enough to have a pretty good support system of people that are able to help me out. Sometimes it would be nice where I, it kind of becomes enticing where it's like, well, if I lived in the city, I could just walk out the door and like go where I need to go. And I don't have to like bring anybody else into that. Like I could literally just go out there and do what I need to do. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not like asking people for stuff or whatever. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well you're a parent. Like I said, you're the first parent that I've had on the podcast who has nystagmus. Uh, well, actually, you're the first father. I've had one other. I've had one parent. You're the first father. Um, this is a question that I tend to ask parents. Let's say before you make the decision to have a kid, let's say you're, the doctor tells you that the child's going to have nystagmus. 100% the kid's going to have nystagmus. Do, do you have the kid? Uh. <laughs> 
that's a tough question because uh i mean we're we're specifically talking about nystagmus here where i could possibly relate to their experience a little bit where it's kind of like i might understand a little bit what they would go through if they if we knew for sure that they were going to have nystagmus but then again you insert anything else uh try to think of like if we knew that our kid was going to be born with like a heart defect or something like that it's like well would you same question is like well would you still have the kid it's like probably like i don't i don't know it's like what what is the criteria for for not that's that's a very it's interesting a ethical one. question yeah because you're like what is the criteria for deciding not to have kids um and I think that's probably a little, well, it is different for everybody. Um, I'm sure there are people that just decide to not to have kids because there's there's maybe a health risk to the, the, the potential child. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I'll, one thing, I'll give you like kind of a, a real world example. When we were, uh, we have two, two girls, when we were going to uh try to have our first child uh we didn't know it was a girl at that point but when we were going to try to have uh, a kid uh we went to my my whole life because of having nystagmus i've been seeing a uh, neuro ophthalmologist um now i pretty much haven't seen him i don't i don't need to go every year to see him or anything like that um because he said my condition is pretty stable that Basically, nothing's going to change. Um, so I saw him much more frequently, like up until probably like middle and high school. Um, but he's always available. Mm -hmm. So I made an appointment and my wife and I went in uh, to see uh, just to see him. And I forget exactly how the conversation went or and however, however it went. He was totally reading into to what we were there for because we were interested to know the risk of of our child having nystagmus, and he was he was like totally aware, whatever. And he was like, "So basically, you guys want to know like what's the probability that that your kid's gonna have nystagmus?" And it was just really funny because we we're like, "Well, yeah, basically that's why <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here." Well, so, what was the answer? I mean, what did he say? Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. But he, he was very reassuring and basically said, it's nothing to worry about. I mean, like, I think he might've used like my life as an example is like, well, I don't have a horrible life. It's not like, like, at least for me, I don't hate my life. I'm not like, uh, so nihilistic. So it's like, why, if, if you feel that way, why, uh, would your kid have reason to feel that way? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, think, I mean, yeah, it, I think the answer to that question is, first of all, it varies among people, but I think th the biggest criteria is how much does the nystagmus affect you, the person who's being asked that question? How much does it affect you? Because there's certain people who I've seen online who would respond to that question with absolutely not. There's no way I would have mm -hmm. a child if I knew that they would have nystagmus. I've seen this a few times, and and that's because the nystagmus has been so detrimental to their lives and their mental health or their personal relationships that they wouldn't want to put that 
onto uh, onto their kid. And also, just an- another thing to say about that, because that sounds a, a bit pessimistic about Nystagmus, I really think that all it is is... I think it's... First of all, it's a mental thing. It's not about your eyes. It's who you are and how you feel about yourself and how well you know yourself. And um, if if you know how to love yourself and if you know how to be a good person to yourself and treat yourself properly, that will translate to how you treat the world around you and how you treat the people around you. So if, if you have a healthy balance of like self-respect and, and self-love, then then the nystagmus won't bother you so much so this this is it's a little philosophical or psychological it's one or the other but it's seriously it's Mm -hmm. like the people who are having such a big deal with the eyes this was something that i didn't realize until later on but this was like my perception in high school was like man my eyes are so messed up um i'm never gonna meet a lady or i'm never gonna like friendships are going to be difficult. Um, how are people even going to want to be around me? These are all things that I would say to myself, but I was ignoring the fact that I, Frankie, like me, myself, I had problems that I had to overcome that did not stem from my eyes. And once you can start to overcome those problems, then the eyes become a lot less relevant in my experience. So that's how I feel about that. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that that I've done um, that probably goes along, uh, I felt exactly the same way. And one thing that I've done to kind of put that, put what you're saying into perspective is I've listed things that I can't do. Like, it's a very simple, I don't, I don't know, like, I just randomly did this one time where you take a, you make a list of here's the things that I can't do because of having nystagmus. Like I can't drive, um, I can't read the menu at a fast food restaurant, um, just all those things. Like I can't read signs, very specific things that frustrate me that I can't do, that I wish I could do, Mm -hmm. that because of the nystagmus, it's like, I'm just not gonna be able to do it. So you make a list and maybe there's 20, 30 things on there. And then you go down and you make a list of all the things that you can do. And what happens for most people, well, I would say for everybody, if, if they have a positive view of themselves, is they're going to start listing things, uh, being like, I can do this. Uh, I can also do this and I can do this and I can do this. And it can be like the most minute thing. It can be like, I can walk up the stairs. I can do this or that. And what that, what I think that exercise really helped me to do is it just puts it in perspective of like, okay, there's, there's like a bucket of things that I can't do. And unless something changes with my vision, I'm probably not going to be able to do them. Uh, but there's like this endless, I mean, that list will never get done of the things that, that you can do. And it's just like every day you can just keep adding to that list. You're like, Oh, here's something I can do. Yeah. Uh, I can wake up and like, I can hug my kids. Uh, I can ride a bike. I can like, whatever. Uh, and if you, that, that really helps me change just kind of a view of life where it's like the nystagmus doesn't, doesn't go away. It's like, I always have those things in the back of my mind that like live, like as soon as I wake up in the morning, it's like, you're kind of like reminded like, okay, here's those things you can't do. 
but it's like all right fine uh but today i'm gonna add more things that i can do to it um so the thing with that list is the things that you can do or there's more and more things that you can add like you said because you just can't think of them all but the things that you can't do right that list is probably going to stay pretty stag- stagnant it's, there's only so it's many so things. much harder yeah yeah it's harder to add things you can't do it's like oh well, yeah you'll get kind of the core things but then you'll just damn fast food you'll menus. Just kind of shift yeah man i don't know <laughs> well have you i don't i don't really eat fast food um but when i was like younger like hanging out with friends and stuff um I'm trying to remember. This was probably like seven or eight years ago. Uh, this is just like a sidebar about fast food. Have you gone to, and I don't know if they are still this way, but have you gone to like a McDonald's where they have like those giant tablet things? Yeah. Where it's like, a, <laughs> yeah. but like you still can't read them. I can read like, those. I'm cool with those. I like those. I can, like, I can, I can read like the menu part, but then like the payment thing is still separate. Like the one I used, it still had like a regular like credit card thing. Right. And like, I can't really read like the tiny thing. So we just like, I had this like moment of like, oh no, like (laughs) I can get so far. I thought, I thought that I would be able to, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But then if it's busy, then like people just start like waiting behind you. That's the worst. Like that, that makes my, that literally makes my nystagmus worse. Like, oh my god literally uh, yeah because you'll get anxious and you, you'll anytime want, you're yeah. doing something and then people like start queuing up behind you is like that's that's horrible for me where like where you're just like oh you just get like flustered because you're like oh no like they're gonna, it's getting worse whatever <laughs> it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's awful i just remember being like all right from now on i'm doing everything i can possibly do like from my phone which is like now, for the most part, I can do basically everything from my phone. So yeah, the phones are good <laughs> like that. You could just zoom in on things, and they work out pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Or I just find like I find a thing that I like, and I think this is probably a way nystagmus has impacted my personality, uh, or maybe it's the other way around. I'm not exactly sure, but like I find something that I like. So there's I I know like the staple items of a lot of places whether it's like where something is uh or just use like fast food restaurants as an example or really any restaurant is like i know like i know that i got something there that is good um and then i just walk in and i just get the same thing all the time like i'm not like (laughs) just like whatever uh do they have five guys where you're at uh yeah they do but i don't go there Okay. I think so, they do. Yeah. I haven't been there in a while either. But they, that's a place where like their menu is so straightforward that it's a really basic menu. So I have everything memorized because it's it's only just like a handful of things. Yeah. And then it's like all the art you ask. Yeah. So I feel like totally fine. I can just walk in there and be like, here's what I want and like I never have to read anything or look. But yeah. So much of my life is like so like like habitual where it's like i do that thing at that place because I, it worked out so like i'm sticking to that <laughs> dude yeah well that's that's my whole experience with fast food restaurants like i'll get the same wendy's is the baconator i'm not getting anything else i'm not yeah. I, don't, I don't look at the menu burger king is the is uh, there's this burger called the rodeo king 
it's a big big burger okay. i don't think it's on the menus anymore it's like they don't keep it on the menus but they make it for you if you ask for it so oh, okay interesting yeah so yeah I, I don't really eat fast food but if i'm ever gonna eat fast food it's one of those places and that's what i'm gonna get because i'm not gonna look at the menu unless i go on my phone <laughs> unless i go on my phone but it's just like i don't care enough to go on my phone so yeah i keep the same things yeah okay i'm not like uh try new things like it's not because i don't want to it's just pure convenience is like i just need to i know what's there like i've created like whatever a comfortable version of that place whatever it may be mm-hmm. and then that's that's what i stick to <laughs> um okay so so being a father here n- none of your children have nystagmus right neither of them yeah no. okay um so i guess you must have been somewhat relieved when you saw that yeah i i guess some of the relief uh, and maybe even on the other hand other end of that before having kids some of the apprehension is yeah there, there's a risk that that they might have nystagmus um and maybe i wasn't necessarily concerned about them uh having nystagmus it was more uh, am I going to be able to take care of somebody who also has nystagmus? Uh, that was probably like the, the biggest apprehension for me is if they also have a visual impairment, um, that's like, <laughs> uh, you've heard the saying, the blind leading the blind. It's like, that would, it would be like the most literal case of that basically <laughs> where, where you're like, uh, am I like, I have like my, issues uh my limitations um now on one hand uh that could be like a bonding factor where it's like okay like i know their experience like i can uniquely understand their situation in life but also on like a practical sense it's like well if both of us are out doing something uh if i can't see something and they can't see something either uh i don't know that that could make things a little more complicated um, for sure so <laughs> so i what what's it like explaining to your children what nystagmus is um my daughter is uh she just finished kindergarten so she's only now probably in the last year becoming like aware like we've we've mentioned things to her uh like about the driving um and little kids are like the most gracious, like, like little, little kids. And then when they, they kind of turn around and they, little kids can be so gracious and like also so unintentionally like cruel to people. Little like, kids scare me, man. That, 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 I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the stuff they'll say is like so pointed that you're like, wow, like the way you said that, like that was like straight to the heart. Like, and it's not intentional when kids no, do it. Like yeah. they're, they're not self-aware on some of the stuff they say, but the way like little kids will say stuff sometimes, like I, you just got to laugh at it. Like I get a kick out of like how direct some little kids can be <laughs> where it's just like, you wouldn't like, if they were like 20, 30 years older, like that would be so offensive coming <laughs> from, from like an adult <laughs> uh, so yeah little think, kids have a way of making me little kids have a way of making me feel insecure about something that i haven't thought about for like three years <laughs> just like yeah. say something about my eyes i'm like oh wow yeah i forgot about that yeah thank you but just just know that they're not 
they they don't have like the intent behind it. Like there's there's so like curiosity. Oh yeah, where yeah. It's like they want to they want to know because they want to. They're trying to get to know you, like understand something, and it's because they they like they care about people. They're not like corrupted by like society and like whatever like the hierarchy of they're like like my daughter's age they're not they're not really quite at the point where they've developed like clicks they're not really bullying each other like they don't really fight yet right now the next couple of years that that will start to change but yeah i mean they're they're just so they're so brutally honest oh my um, god that leads me to ask you because this is something I've I've literally done this before. Have you ever avoided eye contact with a kid because you don't want them to say something about your eyes? I've done that. Uh, probably before we had kids. I'm sure. I mean, I was I was like when I was your age, I felt the same way about kids. <laughs> it yeah, wasn't I've got that kind I of a beef like with them. them. I've got beef. Guess <laughs> you're too honest. <laughs> I was just like I don't know, like. It, it was uh yeah before we had kids i was i don't know i always just felt you just feel awkward because you're like i don't really know how to relate to them yeah uh but when you have your own kids then you get to be around especially when kids start making friends uh then you whatever uh and you just yeah you just have to get over the fact that they they probably will notice or my daughter might say something to her friends like i'm always i always wonder what she says to her friends about me like if it ever comes up like if she's ever at school and whatever the kids are talking about going somewhere mm-hmm. and i'm always curious if my daughter's just like my dad doesn't drive because he's a visual apparently like goes on a whole thing i don't know I, like i'm not there i don't know what she says so so do, do you really have a daughter and a son two daughters two daughters okay. i have a nine-month-old daughter and uh, her name is Hattie, and a six-year-old daughter named Eleanor. And a six-year-old's about to get out of kindergarten. She just finished, yeah, like a month ago, so a couple weeks ago. So she, she's kind of, I'm not sure how much she understands, like how many things she's put together. Um, I try to, to be very clear with her um, when I say, like, I'll, I'll tell her what I can't see just so that she knows it's like from a young age, I think, I think it's kind of my responsibility to coach her a little bit. And it's a good exercise for me because I don't really, I've never really done that with anybody. <laughs> I probably should have been doing that my whole life. Uh, but it, it's a good exercise that um, when I like, we'll go for walks a lot uh-huh. um, and whatever, where I can just tell her uh, or I'll say, I'll ask her for help. Like instead of, asking my wife sometimes is like or if my wife isn't around i'll ask her for help just so that uh, she can kind of start to get a sense of like what i can and cannot see world because she she can read now and she loves reading so there's like some things where i'll be like hey could you read this mail for me <laughs> and it'll be it'll be like an insurance letter or something um <laughs> oh, she's like a little helper she'll be like yeah, yeah she's so helpful That's yeah so when did you start talking openly about your nystagmus? Just, you mean to like the general public? Or? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I remember our phone call, you, you mentioned that we spoke about it. You started doing that a lot later than I think a lot of people would. I've been thinking about that more, and I kind of wonder, social media wasn't a thing until, I'm trying to think, like 
we had like MySpace and Instant Messenger and stuff. I got Facebook I in 2010, maybe is probably when it started getting getting pretty. Yeah, big. so I think when I actually started using, so that was that was after I graduated, uh, so it really took off, and even then it wasn't. So in some ways, like I didn't really have any reason. I just kind of like I was with a small group of people, and I did what I did, and the people that I was around like knew about it. Um, but as you go through life, things change. You meet new people, uh, meet new group groups of people. And I guess I never, I never was totally equipped, uh, or figured out like how to, when you go into a group of new people or a new situation, how do you, is it the first thing you bring up? Uh, or is it something that, um, you kind of let people figure out? And I mean, that's, that's kind of what we were talking about on the phone for sure. Um, and that's, that's something that only now am I really trying to be a, a lot more intentional about, uh, figuring out like when's the time and place, uh, and how do I do it without making people feel uncomfortable? <laughs> uh, I wish there so... was a list. I wish there was an exact way to do it with every new person that you meet. If you're in this situation, say it now. If you're in this situation, bring it up here. Like, I just wish there yeah. was there was a rule book. You know, it would make it so much easier. Society would be so different if everyone just followed the rules. But then again, that that sounds like a very uh, no. I mean, just uh, people for nystagmus, right? Because I think that yeah. I think that it's something that we all really deal with. It's something that I deal with a lot. It's like when do I mention it? Because at certain points, I feel like there's an elephant in the room, and someone ha- like I have to say yeah. something about it. And I would rather bring it up than you bring it up because oftentimes people don't want to bring it up. They don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, and they don't want to make you offended so they just won't bring it up but then they'll be curious the whole time and to me when i think of that i think i'm trying to have a conversation with this person and they're too busy being curious about my eyes so why don't (laughs) i just why don't i just knock this out real quick so that we can actually have somewhat you know somewhat of a relationship here so to me that's like one of the first things that i try to do especially if i'm if i'm intending on knowing a person i'll bring it up but if it's just somebody at like a gas station i'm buying something at a gas station my eyes are going crazy i'm not gonna say something about my eyes but if it's like a coworker, or you know uh, somebody that maybe i'll be friends with then i try to bring it up pretty quickly yeah i there have been times where i've I've taken that approach to just be like, all right, I'm going to address this right away. But often one of the things like the, the common response I get is, and maybe you've heard this too, you're probably just better at, at handling it than I am. <laughs> uh, people, it, it, auto, it starts to become like really negative where like immediately somebody is like, oh, that's horrible. They're like, oh, that must be. And just like, oh, now like this relationship is built on the premise that like you think my life is like horrible yeah, yeah you don't want to be pitied. And it's like yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just like oh no like uh yeah or people are like oh that's now to be fair there are a lot of people that um i've maybe mentioned or or they just kind of know or whatever and it's i might bring it up further on down the line and it's just they're like oh yeah whatever and it's it's fine like mm-hmm. literally it's not a thing and it's like okay i think it's healthy to address it to a degree. Like at the very least you have to like bring it up 
just say what it is because people people don't want to you don't want people to think that you're high off of meth or something or on mdma (laughs) (laughs) because that's the common one yeah dude i have i have another youtube channel and i posted something on there and some random guy commented on that i think he said uh yo everybody he's rolling he's on he's on molly look he's got the shaky eyes i'm like yeah i'm on I'm on Molly right now. I'm recording a podcast on Molly. It's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, it's like I'm I'm doing a whatever. Like I'm going to my job, like having done drugs, but somehow I can still perform my job oh, adequately. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like because right. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. It's like have you ever seen someone like on on hard drugs? Is like they're not like holding a conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. I've never, I've never uh, told somebody about my nystagmus and had them respond in the way where they're saying, "Oh, that sucks. Oh, that's horrible." I don't think that I've ever had that before. Maybe once. Really? Yeah, maybe once or twice. Would you say that that's pretty common for you? Yeah, it's it's a puzzling thing. Maybe it's just like the like local culture. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that that makes it hard because then I feel like I have to like dig myself out of like i have yeah. to reason with them being like uh now for some reason i have to justify to you that my life is not terrible because for some reason you think that my life like because i can't drive that my life is awful yeah and it's just like it's hard it can be i find that it, it just gets hard to relate to the person that like it, it kind of makes things awkward because it's like i don't know <laughs> i dude i just, feel you. it's a weird spot to be in <laughs> honestly what so i get kind of two different responses and the first one is usually that's fine i don't really care like that's fine mm-hmm. that your eyes move it's whatever i'm you know i'm gonna treat you the same it's which that's probably the most common one and then oftentimes i'll also get people who say that's cool that's cool that your eyes do that i've never seen that before and that's <laughs> they're like overly positive You're yeah like, they're, okay i'm like okay cool sweet uh <laughs> i would definitely have some people who will tell me that it's cool i'm just like okay well it's appreciated i guess somebody thinks that it's cool uh and, and i'll have other people that i'll talk to and they'll tell me that they don't like when people will say that it's cool because then you're saying that like my eye condition is cool or, like this thing that's brought me trauma earlier in my life is cool <laughs> which i get that perspective too it is what it is not everyone's going to respond the same way but i I'll also have people where they'll say that it's cool or, you know, something like that. And they'll, they'll ask me questions about it. And I, I like that as well, because I feel like that usually the first question, I don't know about you, but the first question for me is always, is everything shaky? Is everything moving? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Every time. Like, it's always the like, first one. I'm like my eyes shake and then it's automatically like, Oh, so everything must shake. Yeah. It's like that's not, I mean, I'm not like a, neurologist or an ophthalmologist or anything but that's not how like perception works yeah (laughs) i could see i could see why you might assume that though um but our brains do this thing where it stabilizes it for us so yeah like think like so basic like for someone without nystagmus to be like does does the whole like world move like when you turn your like like the parallax or whatever it's like every time you move your eyes to the left or right like everything doesn't go with it so like if my eyes are just doing that unintentionally all the time 
like why would why would anything be different <laughs> i don't know yeah it's, also another thing is this is something that people don't even think about they don't even consider it so you know it's especially I, I feel like most of the people that i run into who meet me they've never met somebody with nystagmus before so it's not even a concept like yeah. th- the idea of your eyes shaking around nonstop just isn't even a concept that people have even considered so i, I think that i yeah i'm totally fine with whatever people respond like if they want to know more i think it's really important for people in our situation to be as gracious as possible because people if you want people to try to relate to you and to try to understand is like they're not going to say things like properly like there's not like a whatever people are going to say things in a weird way they might kind of feel awkward so it's like i'd much rather have someone ask me all kinds of like really random questions awkward questions and like i do whatever i can to not make them feel like stupid for asking and that's like a huge thing. Uh, and I probably should have learned that earlier in life, but like, I think that's, if I were to give any advice to anybody in our, in our situation is like, you just, you gotta learn to be so like beyond gracious to people and let them ask questions. Like there's a line obviously where something can turn to like bullying or like if someone is like, whatever, just being a jerk, but I'd say more times than not people, people just want to know right uh, and if you bring it up like you don't want to be the person that brings something up and then people respond to it and then they feel like well why did that person bring something up if they were just going to be like rude about it anyway <laughs> like they brought it up and then i asked them a question and then they got mad at my question so it's kind of like well why did they bring it up in the first place right <laughs> so, yeah so yeah because yeah if so, you're gonna bring it if you're gonna bring it up then you gotta be cool with uh with hearing some silly questions but i think that's just part of the game it's just something that that we have to deal with i do like when uh when somebody feels comfortable enough with me to joke about it this is something that's kind of new with me it's it's if somebody joked about it it used to always bother me i'm 21 now so maybe when i was like 18 or 17 is maybe when it started to change maybe when i was 19 so even a little later than that but if somebody brought it up it would always offend me somebody uh would mess around with me or joke about it it would always offend me and i i hated it so much but the, the like i said earlier in the podcast the more that i evolved as a person then like the more secure that i became with the eyes then i i like to me- i like to joke about my eyes because it makes me feel like I'm, you know, the same as everybody else. You know, we make fun of other people for little things. I want you to be able to be comfortable enough with me to make fun of my eyes. I don't want people to feel bad for me. That that's all it is. So if you're making if you're cracking some jokes about my eyes to me, then I'm first of all, I'm happy that you're joking about that you're comfortable enough with me to joke about it in front of my face as opposed to behind my back. Cause you know, people, man, they like to talk, yeah. they like to talk behind our backs. So if you're, if you're joking about it to my face, then I'm happy that you feel comfortable enough with me to do that. So that's something that that's changed with me within the last couple of years. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that that definitely comes with age now just being older it's not really something i don't know i'm not really around people that are like that would necessarily make a joke about that but if they did whatever like it's you just gotta let stuff like i don't have the time 
for the energy. Like if I'm going to spend my day like being offended by things, it's like I have I have so many other things. I'm a pretty busy person. So it's like I have so many other things to do and to go on. Like I can't occupy, take up mental space being like offended by by stuff like that, whether someone did it intentionally or they're trying to make a joke, whatever. Uh, if someone's going to joke around about it, then like fine like it's not gonna it's not gonna bother me um now there is some people that maybe aren't the best at like reading a room or like they might think that they're like comedic but they're they're not and like it's not it probably is not just like something that they would say about my vision it's probably like a lot of things they say about other people like a lot of the things they say just aren't funny like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, they're probably just someone who thinks they're funny, but a lot of the things they say are, are not funny. That's <laughs> they just what, <laughs> don't know how to land a joke. And that's my issue with like, people, well, man. It's like, if you're going to make a joke about the eyes, at least be clever with it. You know, at least let me, yeah, like, hit me with something original. Let me hear something funny here. I don't want to hear some, exactly. some overplayed shit. Say something funny and then I'll applaud you exactly. for it. <laughs> like, you got to make it land. Like, that, yeah. 100%. Like, I'll laugh at something if it's original, whatever. Like, I won't be a th- where it's like, man, you put time, like, you <laughs> you sculpted that. Like, that's funny. <laughs> but, like, some people just, they just don't know how to, and, and I don't personally get offended because I'm like, well, if that's the way they tell jokes, like, most of the stuff they say probably isn't funny. So, like, I'm still not going to get offended. It's just like, they're just not a funny person. <laughs> then I'll just feel bad for them. Be like, man, how have you made yeah. it this far in life without any yeah. sense of humor? <laughs> it's like, wow, you really, you really try to be funny a lot, don't you? Like, that would probably be my, my response to them. Is yeah. like, I guess that was you were trying to make a joke, but it just didn't really didn't work i was talking to my to my most recent guest sam about this actually because she she's uh in college right now she's Uh either in college or she's going and she's not she's in college yeah she's in college so we were talking about the transition that happens with people and their personalities when they transition from high school into college and what we were saying is you know there's a lot of bullying happening in high school especially freshman sophomore year where people are still developing developing and learning more about themselves and you know they're still bullying but once you get older and once you get into college you don't really experience that anymore like if somebody's bullying you in college in front of other people that person who is bullying is now the outsider like the the person who's bullying is the outcast like that person is not cool in college if you're bullying people but it's different in high school man in high school you can bully people and people will laugh and you know you'll be in groups and you'll get you'll get a good pop but not in college that's yeah i've experienced i mean i i well i am going back to school now but that's exclusively online so i'm not in a classroom setting at all but yeah i think like the, the older you get like if someone is still still like going out of their way to like bully somebody like in their thirties, that just says so much more about like that, that person just hasn't moved on from like whatever the age of 12. <laughs> yeah, like, then how lonely must they be? Right? Like how lonely yeah, must you like, be if your sense of humor hasn't like, developed? I, I can't, like if someone my age was trying to like bully me or like whatever, trying to like be like, uh, a bully from whatever when I was in like eighth grade. If someone was still acting like that, but they were my age, 
it, I would just be like, like, how could I possibly be like offended or like really affected by that? Cause like the whole time I'd just be like, this is so sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, I can't believe that, that you're still like acting this. that way. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't be offended because this is so sad to watch that it's like, I don't understand. Yeah. I would be, I would be really caught off guard because I haven't encountered like anything like that. Now maybe there's like, like public, I don't know. I've the never internet, had bro, anybody. Just go on the internet. Just go on the internet. Yeah. That's where they are. <laughs> That's where they reside. <laughs> the dark pages of the internet on the backside of YouTube. Yeah, that's where the people stay. Or yeah, yeah. not so much in not so much in real life. But yeah, YouTube YouTube is brutal. Yeah, I've never met like a a real life person who talks like a YouTube commenter. No. Can you imagine like <laughs> that would be like, I don't know. I guess that's kind of, kind of like a Karen, but, but not really. But like, can you imagine like you, you read like the YouTube comments, but if you met someone that was just like verbatim that, but like in real life, like whatever you're at the grocery store and like someone is just like speaking as if everything is like a, a youtube comment it would just be like it would be so bizarre <laughs> i know yeah that reminds me of one of my of my bits that i have for my stand-up set uh, i've got i've got a little joke about like how in rappers the rappers like just blurt out words sporadically for two and a half minutes like in the rap songs they'll just like with their ad libs they'll just go yeah yeah hey skirt skirt like they'll just do, <laughs> they'll just do all that and i'm like you can't do that in real life if you do that in real life they're gonna try to medicate you but you can do it in a rap song <laughs> <laughs> like rappers could do that in a song and get laid but if i do that in aisle six of a walmart like they give me first aid like it's not yeah. it's messed <laughs> up man it's good it's funny yeah it reminded me it's true of bits. that's why dude i want to like, hang out there's something about comedians like obviously it's their craft to put together jokes so i, wa- I want to be i, I want to find a comedian and hear the jokes that they make about my eyes I'm I'm curious to see what they would come up with because I would I would use it I would ask them for permission because dude honestly, I for my set I should do something about my eyes but I haven't really thought of anything yet for some reason I can make jokes about a million other things but it's difficult for me to think about jokes for my eyes so so you haven't really built your set or like whatever call it like your stage personality you don't mention nystagmus at all. Dude, I don't mention all my jokes are about other things or things that I do that are funny, but I don't mention anything about my eyes, which I have to. I have to do it eventually. Yeah, because that's yeah, that's I'm... what made me who I am are my eyes. Like, there's yeah. so many things that have made me who I am, and you know, led you me have towards like a comedy perception. Yeah, I'm trying to think like all the things that are that are like. I don't know. I had like one thing. Have, I had one thing that I was working on where it's like maybe I was born during an earthquake and my eyes just never adjusted. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Just like, I haven't, I haven't dedicated too much attention towards it, but I gotta. Do you know uh, the comedian Mike Birbiglia? No, I don't. Okay, uh, I'll have to send you a couple of his specials. I really like his style because he's like a storyteller. And like the way he tells like life experiences, like his comedy is really interesting because it'll, it'll be, it has like serious moments where he's like, he'll tell like real life stories, 
uh, like I think his one special focuses a lot on his experience with him and his brother. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really funny, and he has like a really dry sense of humor, but then it has like a couple like serious points through it, but not like not like he's trying to uh, like make a statement or anything. Like he's not trying to make like a political statement or like whatever, nothing. But it's just like it has these like sentimental like slices of life in it that I think are really cool because it's like it really balances out the comedy. Uh, That's something that I want to like, do with my comedy. Yeah, it's like the style is like you could bring in like your experience with nystagmus, and it's like well, there's so many like comedic elements to that, but then you can also use that as as a way to like educate people on whatever really whatever you want to add like bring awareness yeah and it doesn't have to be like a whole political like everyone needs to know about nystagmus it's more like how do you make it personal to yourself of like what is uh how has nystagmus affected who you are Mm -hmm. and like it's crazy how like interesting that is to people where like it makes you even though whatever the chances are that 99 0.9% 0.9% of the people that will see you don't have nystagmus. It just makes it like so real to them where they're like, Oh yeah. And like, they can, they can still relate to you even though they might not have had like the exact experience that you've had. That's one of the and, things with stand up, right? Is you want to be relatable. So it's a little difficult with the eyes just because nobody's heard of it. It's not relatable for anybody. So you have to say something in a way that it's easy for, you know, for people to comprehend and then potentially even make it right. relatable by comparing it to some other thing that they could more better relate to. So, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Like what things probably parallel with nystagmus. It's like, you can talk about a really specific thing, but like bring in like a greater audience. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's things that, that resonate with everybody because like having nystagmus has like certain implications but it's not like exclusive to like i'm sure whatever go back to like the feelings of uh like how you i feel kind of inadequate sometimes not being able to drive Mm -hmm. it's like really like zero in on like that that emotion or that feeling it's like well for me that's because of nystagmus but i'm sure other people feel that way because of something else i don't know you know what i mean so I yeah, know. I feel like there's there's a lot of potential. Like I gotta you give you a phone call work. when I uh, if if I ever put together like like a ten plus minute set, I think I'll do something for the nystagmus. Right now, I've only got uh, a five minute set, and I have a six minute set. But eventually, I'm I, <laughs> I'm I'm working on some new material, and I want to get. It's tough to find enough stage time to get on stage for more than five minutes, just because I'm only doing yeah. open mics right now. But I gotta. Okay. I got to get you on the phone during a writing session so that we could brainstorm some <laughs> nystagmus stuff. Yeah. I got to get it into my routine somehow. I've just been, I've been procrastinating yeah, on it. Man, you got the wheel spinning. I'm not like a, a comedian or anything, but that's like, I've always, if you can, yeah, put but like you're a thinker, the, you're a thinker. And that's, that's yeah. what comedians are essentially is you have to think to be, you're not, you're, you're never you going to find like, like a, a dumb light. comedian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you can find one. Uh, they, they, but, they, 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 these comedians are, they make fun of how stupid they are, but they're just joking. These people are smarter than they lead on. It's not funny to be a smart person. It's just not funny. Yeah. It's more funny to true. talk about how stupid you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that that is very true yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know but uh okay i think we've been going we've been going for like an hour here is there uh is there anything that that you want to talk about that you don't think that we've hit it'd be interesting to get your perspective on on like finding having like a, a purpose in life like how do you this this gets kind of philosophical let's do it but but like having nystagmus like doesn't change like i'll use myself as as an example like that doesn't change the fact that i have like hopes and dreams for my life Mm -hmm. like anybody with nystagmus is like well i want to i want to do something with my life i want to make an impact in the world somehow um but then you also just have to balance that with like, there's literally some things I cannot do. So you're, you're always kind of walking this, this line. Um, and I think before we started recording, we talked a little bit about like your, how do you find identity with having uh, nystagmus where sometimes it's like at the forefront where it's like, I have this, uh, I have this condition and I need to totally own it and make it a part of who I am in order to move forward. But then there's other times where you're kind of, you have to find a way to like put it to the side and be like, I'm not going to let that hold me back. It's essentially it's, what it is, right? You know, there's certain things that you do in your life, especially if you're searching for meaning or fulfillment or fulfillment, something like nystagmus is almost irrelevant when you start to get to that level if i'm looking for reasons like if i'm trying to figure out how to be a happier person or a more fulfilled person nystagmus is not in my mind when i'm thinking about that so in a way i am putting it to the side but it's not like i'm consciously putting it to the side it's not like i'm like okay i have to take my nystagmus and forget about it for a second it's not like that because i'm already thinking about like how am I gonna what am I gonna do with my life that's gonna actually make me happy uh, so I will say this the only thing that the nystagmus has really affected in terms of my self fulfillment is the podcast that, that's pretty much it i always I always wanted to do the podcast, and when I was younger, I always wanted there to be a way for me to find other people who have nystagmus and hear them talk about the things that I'm struggling with. And I always wanted to hear people like who are, who are fathers with nystagmus or people like Apple D app, the guy in the black eyed peas. I'm, I got to get this dude on here this year. Cause I want to hear how nystagmus has played a role in, you know, in, in his life. So I want to hear mm-hmm. all these perspectives and there was nothing like this. So I thought to me, this would bring value to me. And if it brings value to me, it must bring value to other people. So in, if I'm going to relate nystagmus to my fulfillment or like, you know, value that I find in life, things that, that I look forward to, uh, I could bring the, the podcast up and say that the nystagmus is really, I mean, obviously influenced this. So 100% this. Now, in terms of other um, aspects of life, other places in life that I find meaning that aren't this um dude I mean this is like um my my whole life I was always not so happy up until pretty 
recently because I would always have ideas that I want to act on and I'll always have dreams and aspirations and things that I want to do, but I never quite wanted anything badly enough to actually start taking actions to manifest it into my reality. So I would just think about all these things and be like, yeah, I would like to do that, but I just don't, I just don't want it bad enough. I just don't want to do it. And then I, this podcast was so a little under a year from now was kind of the first step that I started to take in the path that got me doing other things. But finally starting the podcast and filming that first episode uh, with my boy, Eric, filming that first podcast was a huge first step for me. And, you know, I've found fulfillment in this and it's helped a lot with, you know, I, when you have these ideas and you don't have enough willpower to follow through on anything, it leads to depression. Like that leads to a very depressing life. And I've experienced that so much. Dude, when, when, the, when we were, when that pandemic first started and we were in quarantine, those were the worst few months of my whole life. I got up to, I got up to 205 pounds. I looked like a marshmallow. I shaved my head. So at one point I just looked like a marshmallow. I was, I was, I'm only five, seven. I'm a small guy. I shouldn't be two Oh five, but I was two Oh five. And you know, I just, it, I was, I was really depressed and I had my hair and I was like, I might as well just go all the way and just make it as bad as possible. <laughs> so I, I was like, Get rid of this wow. real quick. Yeah. So I have pictures of it. Yeah. I was a mess, man. So I, I did that and I was super depressed and so I'll, I'll say that the podcast was the first step in me finding some fulfillment. And then the next thing that I did was I started kind of evaluating myself and I started learning more about myself and learning more about what I'm actually interested in. And not enough people do that. Not enough people ask themselves questions. Um, not enough people really get into like the, the nooks and crevices in their own mind and figure out like what is best for me? What, what do I actually enjoy? And, uh, yeah, so I started doing that and I started writing on a daily basis. I started journaling, uh, probably like 200, uh, sorry, two pages a day. So maybe like 800 words to a thousand words a day. When you start writing, you start, that's for me, that's like the best way to learn more about yourself is, is Mm -hmm. to start writing and you start to learn some things you're like oh i actually like writing about this this is interesting to me let me keep writing about this and then this leads you know things you know how it goes man like one thing you start one thing it just leads to another thing just leads to another thing and you don't know what it leads to because you don't think about it when you first start something but it just leads to to other paths and then starting this podcast has you know led to me uh you know um let's say having that sponsorship with American Astagmas Network. And because of that, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to be coming out to the future conferences and potentially, you know, be doing podcasts in front of a live audience. I don't, I think if it weren't for this podcast, I wouldn't be doing stand-up comedy. If it weren't for this podcast, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be journaling every day. If it weren't for this podcast, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the skeptical hippo podcast, which is my other podcast. There's so many things that I just wouldn't do without this. So all right, I just went on kind of a tangent there, but it's so important, man. It's, just, it's like something yeah. that not enough people talk about is like finding meaning in their life. So it's, it's, you know. it's probably the most important thing 
And yeah, I think nystagmus has caused me to go to some places in my mind that that uh, I don't think the average person really thinks about. And probably what what I what I suspect maybe uh, this is just just kind of my theory is what you've found when you when you started the podcast is you feel like you found you start you kind of like pulled a thread where you like you start pulling on it you're like okay this is this is leading to something you don't know exactly what but the act of starting the podcast you kind of found purpose outside of yourself where it's like you need to do something that involves um taking your experience um and relating that to other people and that's often where people people struggle a lot is they just think that purpose will just kind of fall in their lap or like hit them over the head mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like somewhere in my life people are just going to give me my purpose yeah and that's that's not really the case is no. you gotta you gotta go out there and you you have to start pulling the thread yourself and i feel like you gotta be pro- like you gotta people, be proactive right yeah like people's purpose is found in how you relate to other people your your purpose in life is not not in a strictly internal like i have my purpose i don't need to do relate to anybody else your purpose is kind of like all of the bridges that connect you to everybody else and that that's really where where people will find meaning um yeah i mean i've i've thought about i think really hard about a lot of stuff and sometimes it's, it can be i think I, I tend to overthink things but if i didn't have nystagmus i never would have kind of gone some of those places in my mind that uh i just would have been like a normal person um so I feel like I feel like I've learned a lot about myself and and other people and and how people work. Um, but yeah, I think it's awesome that you started the podcast, and I'm really glad you did. Um, Thank you. Because it's it's one of those things where it's like I wish I just kind of assumed in life that it's like well I'm just gonna have my life and maybe some point I'll come across somebody with nystagmus or whatever. But mm. before you started the podcast, it wasn't even like a thing else on my radar where it's like, Oh, I need to connect with people uh, or whatever. It's just sort of like, I'm the only one <laughs> that I'll ever know with nystagmus and I'll just deal with it and that'll be fine. Yeah. So then it just kind of like, you think about what you did, how that affects all of the other people, not just like the guests you have on the podcast is the people that listen is like, you're, you're helping people hopefully start to pull their own threads where it's like, okay, uh, whatever through the conversations, hopefully that inspires people to kind of, to heave themselves up and be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. And a lot of the people on the podcast and probably listening to the podcast, uh, are, I don't want to make it seem like everybody's depressed, but I think the other thing with the podcast is it's fascinating to hear, how all the other people have kind of gone through life. And it's very inspiring uh, because it's like, wow, like look at, look at what all these people have done. Like I, when I first found the podcast, I went back and I listened to all of them and it's just like, it's so impressive where you're just like, that's, 
that's amazing. Like I have no reason not to be happy, no reason not to, to succeed in what I'm doing <laughs> just because of, of having the stagnus. Yeah, man. It's it, nice. Stagnus can do that to you. It can make you, uh, make it can make you feel different than everybody else and be like there's all these things that other people are doing and i'm just not going to be able to do it because of the nystagmus and i think i i totally agree with you it's so fascinating to hear all of these stories from everybody who has nystagmus and it just didn't let them you know it didn't get in their way and it shouldn't get in your way and you know right. it shouldn't stop you from doing anything and Yo, fuck those doctors who are telling people. Sorry for cursing. Whatever. Uh, these, these doctors, man, who are who are telling people, uh, parents of ni- p- children with nystagmus, that they're not going to be able to do anything. You know how many people I've had on my podcast whose doctor told them that they couldn't read, that they're not going to be able to read. Or I've I've heard this yeah, a couple times. I've heard it a number the, of times. Yeah, or the the doctors will. Uh, that's that's right. You've heard the podcast, but like the doctors will tell people, uh, you're not gonna be able to pick out the Cheerio from the whole something. I, I sorry, Greg. I don't remember what you said about the Cheerio. There's some, <laughs> something about something about the Cheerio, man. But yeah. I think it was if they dropped a Cheerio, they wouldn't be able to find it on the floor. If yeah, I'm remembering if that's the right person. Yeah, that is that is who I'm talking about. Greg, it's Alex's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, I've heard a couple things about Cheerios. It's not even just from one person. It's like the doctors had a conference and told each other, like, yo, if you ever get somebody <laughs> with nystagmus, you got to bring up the Cheerios, man. You got to say the Cheerio thing. That's so. just frustrating to me because that's that goes back to the list thing. Is like, why wouldn't the doctor, like, you want to tell them, be like, here's, like, as a doctor, be, be realistic. Like, you don't want to say, like whatever uh you're going to be able to to have a life like somebody with 2020 vision but also it's so it's like the most nihilistic approach like how is that how is that helping somebody like you might be like medically informing somebody and i guess that's technically a doctor's job right but also to to be a doctor is you need to like you're treating people and people have feelings and consciences and so be like here's some Here's like, you might not be able to drive. You might not be able to do this or that. Um, but there's going to be a lot that you can do in your life and you have nothing to worry about. Like, I guess yeah. if, if I was a doctor, that's what I would tell someone. Be like, this is going to be hard. If, if you're not going to be able to drive, uh, it's, it's going to be really hard. Make sure you have like a, a support system. Like there's some some things that you will not be able to do, but um, there's going to be plenty that you can do. So like, don't worry about it. You're going to, you're going to be great. You're going to like, you're going to make it, uh, <laughs> whatever. I guess yeah. like if I was a doctor, that's like, I wouldn't just be like, here's things you can't do. So bye. <laughs> Later. Have fun with <laughs> like, this. <laughs> yeah. Like what a, what a, I don't know. Like that, that doesn't just help ignorance, anybody. Man. It's ignorance. It's, <laughs> they, they just don't know. I've had doctors tell me that I can't wear contact lenses. Meanwhile, the majority of the people I've had, I've had on my podcast wear contact lenses, so mm-hmm. yeah, just, yeah, man, it's like, don't let the nystagmus get in your way from doing anything. The, the worst thing that I can think that the nystagmus can do for you is not allow you to drive. Meanwhile, probably 60% of my guests drive. So that's, yeah, there's that. So, but like, I don't know the exact statistic, but it's something like 60% of the rest of the world doesn't drive. So, I mean, like we're fortunate to live here in America and, and, whatever in a a very uh well-to-do 
country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, there's a lot of people that don't have nystagmus that will also never drive. Uh, so yeah. I guess there's that. <laughs> there's <laughs> that too. Yeah. That's something to look at. Our, our society is like Western society, just kind of, it is what it is. And I mean, it's fine to be here and uh, very fortunate to have been born here and stuff. But the, the weight that people put on something to me as trivial as driving, like I get, I get the functional point of it. Like it, it's a very important part of, of infrastructure, but also the, like, I guess like the social weight or whatever that, that people put on it is like, you have to have a car and like, you have to be able to like, drive places and if you don't then you're not a real person participating in society yeah it's like when you you take it it. that yeah when you take it that far is like uh i don't think it's that extreme it's like (laughs) whatever (laughs) it's never that extreme 10 cars yeah there's like from where i'm sitting now is like i can think of like 10 cars so it's like okay well i don't have a car and i don't drive but like i can just walk out the door and like somebody will drive me somewhere. So yeah. like, the Ubers are getting expensive too, man. This, I don't know if you. Oh, uh, my area. I have in the past, but the it's I haven't like in a couple years just because I mean to go like twenty minutes into into a near the nearest city uh, or to go anywhere it's forty or fifty dollars. Yeah. I mean it's insane. It's like I can't I can't afford. That's like a hundred dollars for to go. 20 minutes on a round trip now i realize uh, gas is expensive but like nobody's paying a hundred bucks to drive like 30 miles <laughs> no yeah yeah the price is just getting more expensive yeah if i want to go eight minutes down the road to the to my Publix, it's a 12 dollar uber for an eight minute drive so if i want to wow. go to, if i want to go to the grocery store and i want to come back it's 24 dollars. so yeah that's crazy that's, i'm good yeah uh, let's end this episode here. Let's, right. let's finish this off. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on here, Nate. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that a lot, man. And I appreciate everybody who's listening and has made it this far. So in case you guys don't know this already, the podcast is available on YouTube. It's available on Spotify, Apple music, anything like that. We're also on Instagram. You could just type in Dancing Eyes Podcast on Instagram. Also there, uh, I, I post clips of the episodes. I try to get a couple clips a week on there. So uh, what else? What other things do I have? Shout out to American Nystagmus Network for for sponsoring this. Yeah, if you're on YouTube, a like and a subscribe, that'd be dope. Thank you. Thank you.